Good day and welcome to a special edition of Offside Musings, a podcast co-hosted with Emeka Onyagwa. We are really delighted that you're joining us. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at current political developments in Nigeria. And we're going to make a fundamental argument that rather than focus on the 2023 elections, we should indeed consider the cancellation of those elections and the formation of an emergency national government that would have representatives of all the major professions in Nigeria as well as all the different geopolitical entities in the country. Nigeria is in terrible shape and it has been in terrible shape for a long time. It is not something that we can solve by having another round of elections. What we need instead is indeed to sit down and do the work that it takes to define what it means to be a country, to have a constitution that lays out the duties, the rights, the responsibilities, the obligations of citizens, the state, as well as the institutions within that country. Nigeria, as it is, is broken, and it is broken irretrievably. There is not one political candidate out there who is seeking the office of governor or the office of the president who is capable of doing what needs to be done in that country in order to achieve the potential of a livable human space within Nigeria. So we're going to unpack all of that in making the case for the cancellation of the 2023 elections and instead the institution of an emergency national government. You're welcome. Yep, 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 yep. Now, as it, look, man, without a doubt, um, let me start from somewhere. Um, without a doubt. All right, here we go. All right, so without a doubt, man, that, that's, that's a deep, deep, honest um, one. And obviously, I'm not one to even, you know, over-talk. I've also looked at it and I'm like, um, in all honesty, if you go back in history and you go back in, in uh, this might be sacrilegious to people, you go back in the atmosphere that produced coups in Nigeria and West Africa, yeah. these are the kind of atmospheres. Um, a lot of the markers are there, unhappy people, a political class that is absolutely aloof. Mm-hmm. People looking for any kind of savior. I mean, the list is endless. Just go back. At least you don't want to go back into it, I think. Even though you might not like him or you might like him, I don't know. But Babangida's pointers for why a coup works or could work is one of the best things you can ever read. You know, I'm, yeah, again, again, you know, it's not about it's I, not about a coup. I, I know that, that. Um, yeah, you know, you had this that moment uh, um, a few days ago where you um, sort of put out something out there on Twitter about um, that Nigeria is almost ripe for a coup d'état, and um, I I pushed back, you know, yep. 
Um, not because I didn't, I don't think that Nigeria is a mess and a half. Okay, hundred percent. It's, it's worse than that. But I think that um, a coup uh, would would actually pull us back more. All right. Um, that what Nigerians need uh, is a conversation, and I know that that word conversation is sort of overused. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, to the point of being abused. Yep. But the truth is, we haven't had a national reckoning, a national convers, an honest conversation uh, ever in our history. Okay, um, even the constitutional conference. Uh, that uh, the uh, so-called conference that uh, was midwife by the Jonathan administration ultimately uh, was not uh, an honest one. You know, it had elements of honesty uh, because people spoke about um, the very unjust foundations of the Nigerian nation. Mm-hmm. So I think that what we need to do now Okay, is um, rather than focus on this process where a band of certified criminals, okay, who have wrecked the country and stolen the country blind, are buying tickets, essentially tickets. At in the case of the P, uh, of the of the PDP, forty million naira a pop, and in the case of the APC, the ruling party, no, no, a no, hundred no, 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 no. million. The forty million mm-hmm. is a, is actually you're buying a right to buy the tickets. The, to buy the ticket, yeah. it's not even buying yeah. the ticket. Yeah, you're just exactly. buying the right to buy exactly. the tickets. You know. you know. So so, um, so you have uh, there is a a lawyer, an unembraced based lawyer who actually does some in very interesting human rights work, okay? And part of what he did was that he obtained judgment uh, under the last governor, Obiano, mm-hmm. on account of uh, security threats in the state. The police arbitrarily closed a section of the road that goes from Onicha all the way to Enugu, the old road, what's called the old road. Yep, And so... This has created massive suffering for commuters in Anambra State. So this guy went to court, and the court ruled in his favor, ordering the police to remove those blockages on the road that um, require that drivers now go through, uh, you know, communities and through terrible roads uh, in order to connect. If you're coming from Anicha, you get to to Amuabe just before the gov- government house, the police station. You have to take some, you know, wiggly road through the town and yep. so on. So he won that judgment, and so I was speaking with him uh, just before. As you know, I was in Nigeria for 34, 35 yep. days. I was there for seven, eight, eight, eight days. You right. actually yeah. came in. Yeah. Um, so I was speaking with this lawyer. And he's filed a lawsuit asking a court to declare as unconstitutional the unconscionable amount of money that these political parties uh, demand for anybody 
who wants to aspire to any public office. Of course, the most egregious is the presidency. Mm-hmm. When you have people paying a hundred million naira to buy uh, a ticket, um, to buy a nomination, a, for, a nomination for essentially to buy a right to buy the elections, precisely, but, you know, <laughs> precisely. Um, there's already people's alarm bells should go off. But this is actually the least of our problems. Um, the Nigerian state has organized itself as a criminal enterprise and has therefore become a criminal entity run by kleptocrats who um, hijack the resources of the state and use those resources for their self-aggrandizement. Yeah. And... You know, so some Nigerians, you know, get excited about the EFCC, the ICPC, and so on, the police. And so occasionally there's this celebration, oh, this former governor has been invited by the EFCC. And Nigerians sort of drink a beer and they think that there's something (laughs) uh, going on. Yeah. What they don't understand is that the system is rigged in favor of these buffoons who hold public office, yeah. that the EFCC is part of the rigging. So you go in there, they invite you, you go and meet with them uh, through your lawyer or directly, you, you, know, you, you pay them, yeah. okay? Funds change hands, then you know, even if they file a case in court, the judges are part of the system. So uh, you at- attend court and you know, one lawyer asks for some amendment and then the judge adjourns the case for eight months and eight months later when you gather the you know you hear that the judge is abroad so that the cases are adjourned again until people become bored and weary and just lose interest. So what we need to do um, and I became certain of this having spent 34 days in Nigeria mm-hmm. uh, between April and May middle of May yeah. What I, you know, um, I know that there are lots of people, and we, we, we're going to do a different episode yeah. on, on some of the candidates who are there. Yeah. Uh, but clearly, there is a, a certain excitement around P2B's um, nomination. nomination. Mm-hmm. And with, well, leaving, leaving the PDP and then going to the Labour yes, Party and all yes. that stuff. And, 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 um, and by the way, if anybody that wants to do the math, I think today, after today we're recording um, in Naira on the um, foreign exchange rates internationally, minus Western Union and other places, but other places are giving 600 Naira to a dollar. Yes. So do the oh, math. Oh, by the way, by the way, of course, part of the spike in the value of the dollar has to do with the current uh, political process. I was speaking uh, a night before I left Nigeria. I was speaking with uh, a fairly uh, well-to-do businessman. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he'd been trying for more than a week to buy dollars of 300 and something thousand, about 300 and something thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And he told me that his usual supplier said it's not available because politicians have bought up <laughs> any dollar in 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 circulation mm-hmm. within Nigeria, yeah, because they've taken to bribing the key 
delegates in Dallas because there's so much money being given. According to the gist, nobody wants Naira. Precisely. When you see politicians hand $50,000 to some super delegates, hand $10,000 to delegates to vote for them, this is, this is highway robbery in process that we're looking at. Um, and so what we need above all is, is to question everything about Nigeria, to have a conversation that is so honest that it begins by questioning everything about Nigeria. Mm. Um, two of our most well-known writers, uh, Chinua Achebe and Wole Shoyinka, yeah. have made the point, which is unassailable, that Nigeria does not exist, except really as, an, as, as a weak idea. Yeah. Okay? Uh, Shoyinka famously said that there is no nation in this space that we call Nigeria. So we have the space that we call Nigeria, but there is no national spirit. There yeah. is no nation in it. Uh, Achebe, on, on the other hand, said that the Nigerian nation has not been founded. And so we continue to come up with platitudes like Nigeria is non-negotiable. The corporate existence of Nigeria is beyond negotiation. That's, that's a very foolish statement. Nigeria is eminently negotiable. Nigeria doesn't exist. So if Nigeria is to exist in a meaningful, significant way, yeah. in a way that supports the well-being of its citizens, then we must negotiate what that nation must mean. We, ha- we must craft a new constitution for the nation. Uh, we must delineate the rights, the privileges of citizenship, the duties, the obligations of citizens, the powers of the different units within the state, within the Nigerian state. And um, so that's the urgent thing that we need to do. We have a constitution that abets the absolute tragedy that happens on a daily basis in Nigeria. And um, so I think that that's, especially having visited Nigeria uh, recently, um, it came to me, I've always flirted with the idea, but it came to me in a very powerful way that we waste our time if we proceed with this election in 2020, these elections in 2023, yeah. hoping that, um, there's going to be any form of progress. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, anybody sitting there and hopeful that the progress would be in a country is, <laughs> is being either disingenuous, um, foolish to some degree or something. But there's no reality there where you're looking at this country and you're looking at the way things are. And people will say, yes, elections have always been bought and all that. And factually, that would be a a very accurate statement to make. Mm -hmm. Elections have always been bought. Um, In some degrees, you know, you could, people will make the argument is not buying, but elections have always been taken by other means. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying like, manipulating the media and you know just 
the sheer it's 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 clear stealing the sheer yeah. corruption yeah. of color it's always been there from the from mm-hmm. when the british were there you go back yeah. to what has become the biggest divider between one of the biggest dividers between Igbos and Yorubas in 51 uh, Western House of Assemblies, the 53, you go back into that, um, different com- different points of views on that. It's not to try and try and, um, um, you know, make one point or this thing, but, you know, the, the big, you go, you go into the illegality of that, whether you like it or not, that's the fact. You go into the years that led up to that, you go into the idealism of the people that committed the actual coup in Nigeria, you go into what they were thinking. Um, and you go into, even before that pr- period, you go into what ended up being Operation Waitia, mm-hmm. where the military were in control of Nigeria till after the Civil War, by the way, for those that don't know. Um, Operation Waitia was um, where the Western House got to about the, the rivalry between Akintola and um, Obas- and all <laughs> you know, got so bad that um, you know um, they split the party, split everything. It's it was comparatively. I mean, this is even the lowest level of corruption in Nigeria. Local government councillor, mm-hmm. local government councillor, mm-hmm. is way more corrupt than what happened. What made that happen then? In, in- the 60s. Yeah. It, it look out of me, like I, poof. There's no, I mean, I was looking at it. I don't, I was trying to, I think PDP had their councillorship elections. Um, at least yeah, to pick up the form, it's at least two million there. Yeah. To be a councillor. Mm-hmm. To be essentially somebody, if you annoy the governor of a state at any point in time, he'll fire <laughs> you <laughs> or she'll mm-hmm. just remove you with just blinking an eye. Like, mm-hmm. You are absolutely useless. The only use as a councillor is to make sure the political structure of the state is maintained. Mm-hmm. And that means that the governor of the state in Nigeria, which is the way it works, the governor of the state in Nigeria, whoever gets into the office of governor of the state, controls the political structure of the party. Mm-hmm. And for a large degree, who is, who is going to be his successor mm-hmm. in Nigeria? The only use as a councillor at the local level, is to make sure at that local level things are kept orderly and anything that is going out of this thing, you are more or less a spy to the local government chairman who needs to go tell the governor. Mm-hmm. But even that position is two millionaires yeah, up front. Uh, I, and that uh, doesn't include any other thing. And, and um, so bad enough, it's bad enough that every single elective office in Nigeria you have to buy a huge, spend a huge amount of money to buy the ticket to play for it, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. But what's even worse is the brokenness of the electoral process that even after you've obtained the ticket, um, there is all this hanky-panky that you have to contend with that occasionally, not occasionally, but as a rule, a few uh, people in the party, mostly men, who then decide that they are the stakeholders and we've anointed this candidate. So so your two million has been taken. Yep. Or if you want to go to the House of Reps or to the Senate, you are talking about a minimum of five million that somebody puts together and pays to obtain a ticket. And then uh, on the day of, of the primary, um, the party apparatchik 
will just stay in one place and announce somebody who perhaps would have come last. Had there been a proper election, they would just announce the person as a winner. And so at every level, we have a broken country. Um, and I know that some Nigerians, you know, again, there's, there's this excitement around one or two political candidates, okay? Yeah. Uh, and I know people who think, wow, that there is um, the prospect of the PDP on sitting, the APC, and some people <laughs> think that this would be good. And they forget that we had the PDP for 16 years, okay? And that the APC was actually a splinter group from the PDP. And that Artiku, who is the presidential candidate of the, a of the PDP now, has been in both parties and in other parties like several times. And yep. that there's no principle animating any of this, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so we have a broken electoral system, okay? Uh, for example... The PDP, the APC ticket, presidential ticket, is a hundred million naira. Mm -hmm. Several candidates have paid that money, and Buhari comes, you know, a week to the APC uh, primary, and Buhari says to uh, to the party uh, that the governors have the last say so on who succeeds them, who shouldn't be. Yeah. And so basically he's telling his party, blackmailing his party, therefore I, Buhari, should decide who succeeds me. And you don't have an open revolt of the party. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people, Nigerians, don't have a sense of history longer than two days. <laughs> okay? Very true. Yeah. So, you know, so people say, oh, you know, Buhari, you know, I, I posted this on Facebook and Twitter and... I was critical of uh, Buhari. But even as I criticize him, I also have a sense of history that what he's doing is not, what he's proposed to do is not unprecedented. That Obasanjo single-handedly imposed Yaradua and Jonathan as presidential candidate and vice presidential candidate respectively on the PDP. And then he went on to rig their, their ticket into office, which even Yaradua admitted. Yaradua yeah. admitted that the election was had irregularities, had been rigged, even though he made the very facile point that had the elections been free and fair, he would still have won, mm -hmm. which is neither here nor there. In fact, as I stated in my columns in those days, that that should make Nigerians more angry. Because if you could have won in a free and fair election, how do you justify? So if you go and rig something that you could win legitimately, then you are going out of your way to express and demonstrate contempt for Nigerians. Because you're saying to Nigerians, rather me coming to honestly get this mandate, I'm going to steal it. Okay? So, here we are. Here we, are. we have a constitution that almost... Anybody, any Nigerian who has a modicum of honesty will tell you is, is a disaster of a constitution. Okay? Mm -hmm. So we have to address that. Because when you have a template that is fundamentally flawed, 
it doesn't matter. We could have candidates from heaven come to run Nigeria. Mm-hmm. If they use the template that we have, the constitution that we have, they are guaranteed, not bound, not just bound, not likely. They are guaranteed to fail. Okay? So we have a country that doesn't have a constitution yep. where the citizen, no Nigerian citizen, can legitimately say that I have certain rights as a citizen. No Nigerian state, the sta- no state government in Nigeria can say that they are secure in their understanding that the presidency cannot do harm to the state if the president is your enemy. And we saw this actually during our Basanjo, our Basanjo's government, where Basanjo in quarreling with Tinubu would would withhold funds. Withheld with the, the funds, for, funds. For, for years. Almost, for years. Almost his entire administration. And defied the courts when the courts ruled that he should release the funds. Okay? Um, sent the police to unleash mayhem to go and abduct Chris Ngige, the governor that he had supervised his imposition on the state yep. to begin with. But the man wasn't playing ball, wasn't doing what Abbasanjo and his um, um, cohort mm-hmm. wanted him to do. So they decided we're going to go and abduct him. And 200 police officers went from Omwaya, the regional command, yeah. to go and carry out the abduction of a governor. Okay? Uh, how about people who had who uh, political opponents who were assassinated during Abbasanjo's government, right? So so we have essentially a country that is organized as a crime syndicate. That's Nigeria. And so the candidates who are pay, paying 40 million, 100 million to buy a ticket are members of this crime syndicate um, and in a sense, it, it stands to reason. If they spend that all that money, and this is just to buy the ticket, if they win the nomination, then they have to dig in and spend more money to buy uh, electoral officers, to buy voters, to buy so-called stakeholders and all. Yeah. And no nation survives that. And you were in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been comparing notes about what we saw in the country, right? Um, to give you a glimpse, and this these are anecdotes. You know, the, the, the Nigeria is rife with anecdotes of failure, of disaster. But I went to Nigeria uh, December of 2020. Yeah. And I spent a month, and I stayed with a relative uh, in an area of Lagos, and I was pleasantly surprised that that area during my two weeks with this relative uh, had power for 20 to 22 hours every day, electric power. So I was very happy, even though, of course, what you want is regular uninterrupted power for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. But this was a big improvement. So this time around, I arrived in April. I decided to stay with the same relative, counting on the same level of, Electricity. Yeah. The best day we could have 
was four hours of electric power. The rest of the time, this relative had to run a generator. Had to run a generator. And the amount of money that he spent on running the generators is, is just unconscionable. And this is happening to individuals. This is happening to businesses. And that's because there was, there was a four, four situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right about, you came in before I came. Mm-hmm. So right about the time you came in, it just ended. Um, but fuel is, you know, costly in relative to the income f- there. Fuel, fuel has become clearly unaffordable. And there was as, that as joke. You know, there was that uh, joke at at a, at a party where people are even giving out. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so, that, so, yeah. And that's that's the thing. It's not. A, it wasn't a joke. Yeah. Uh, people true. went to a party, and they were giving small containers of fuel as gifts, discounting the massive threat to life that some could, somebody could light a cigarette and everybody there will be incinerated. So, and that's what I'm talking about. That Nigeria as a as as an, as as a country mm-hmm. is finished. So rather than continue to paper around this, I mean, how do you talk about a country where the roads, something as basic as roads? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's no part of Nigeria where you can count on the roads being well built and well tired for even five five kilometers, no. five, six or so miles. No. Okay? No, no, I, I can so, think of. Um, do we have a refuse trash disposal system? No. So you come to cities, here is a residence where people live or where restaurants where people eat or markets and you find a mountain of rubbish that contains rotten food, um, uh, animal deposits and so on and so forth and people will climb those things rummaging for things to eat rummaging for little treasures okay and the stench that emanates from them absolutely unspeakably repellent okay so there is no constitution the whole idea of uh, the judicial system is is absurd on his face, all right? Uh, because the constitution that should undergird what what it means to be a citizen is deeply flawed, all right? Yeah. Um, you have a situation where, as I was talking to somebody, why does it make sense that the Nigerian constitution places power, the power sector, as an exclusive federal reserve. Proof. Why should the federal the government... So, 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 you know, so if a state governor says, okay, I have a strong industrial base, I want to invest in power generation, when he generates the power, he has to feed it into the national grid and the power <laughs> holding company of Nigeria... <laughs> can then decide, well, this power that you contributed, we want to send it to another area of the country where there is no industrial base, right? So, so everything is maddening. Is, is maddening. Yeah. Everything is broken. And so, so I, again, I know a lot of Nigerians who will be very upset with us that you know, they are looking for an election 
to remove Buhari, of course Buhari should go. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so man, um yeah. It's um man. You know, a lot of people are going to be angry. See, you know, it's just like you said, oof, you know, Buhari, Buhari, Buhari. But also, like you said, Nigerian sense of history is literally two days old. Um, everybody literally, people in Nigeria literally don't want to face the past in any meaningful way. And that's another conversation I even like to get mm. into. The way, the way we deal with things that happen in Nigeria is so harmful in every single way I can think of. Um, I, we have stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, a simple story of that is the one we all know about the in, the relative abroad that sends money at home, and then what happens is they steal the money, and then when you try to deal with it, everybody's like, "Please forget it." Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. So people are going to be like, oh, "The problem is we just need Barry out of the office." Okay, yeah. cool, agreed. Um, you never, you never, you never should have needed Barry in office. But guess what? That your sense of history or lack thereof is what put Buhari in office. Mm-hmm. And your your continuation of that That's is that. going to put somebody... Exactly. And just like you said, um, it's not knocking on anybody, it's not hitting anybody, it's not... Let's, if you go to your house and you put up the lights and you're alone and you look at what all the... You know, do what a lot of people do. Even with just sit down in your house. I may have... I mean, I'm trying to be funny, but anyway, just trying to be honest, really. Um, watch YouTube or watch anything or go back and look at these guys. What are they proposing mm-hmm. in terms of how to, as a vision, that, yeah, like, this guy has a vision. Yeah. And he has some some sort, I don't even, don't you need to be perfect, some sort of track record that could match with that vision. Mm-hmm. What have you seen? Ask yourself that question. Mm-hmm. Answer that question. Mm-hmm. There is nobody. Yeah. I mean, you have candidates at this point in time telling you just simply tell me it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I um, you look at somebody like uh, Tinubu uh, to cite an example. I don't really. For me, today is not a day to uh, focus on any particular candidate. But let's let's take Tinubu for example. Yeah. For months, Tinubu went around and said he was consulting. Who did Tinubu consult? <laughs> he went to ex-military rulers who ruined Nigeria. He went to traditional rulers who have antiquated ideas about uh, society. He went to politicians who are superannuated, uh, little educated, uh, except uh, profoundly educated in the stealing of public resources. Um, did Tinubu put together a team of experts, Nigerian experts, uh, to look at the power issues in the power sector, to look at um, ways to increase jobs in the country, to look at ways to attract investments uh, both internally and externally, to look at ways to address Nigeria's um, just huge death burden, uh, to look at how to reform the educational sector, to look at healthcare and how to secure uh, the health of Nigerians. No, because Tinubu, for him, it's um, 
and not just him, for I would say for most Nigerian politicians, it's all about self-aggrandizement. I want to be president. And when I'm president, people will call me, you know, His Excellency, Mr. President. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people will carry my bags and, you know, uh, red carpets will roll out and so on. There is very little content to it. In, in a society that that's has its senses around it, somebody like Tinubu, whose source of wealth is not questionable. We know that it's actually a classic transfer of public resources to a private citizen uh, once he left the governorship um, of Lagos State. To his credit, mm-hmm. he planted... Uh, governors in the southwest and so on, and he began to do business. So, uh, doing public-private um, uh, projects with different states and making a ton of money. But this is again a classic case of um, crony. Crony uh, capitalism. It, I wouldn't even call it capitalism. Crony, because like, crony, like, cro- cronyism. Period. Yeah. You know, a crony. Uh, accumulation, okay. So, so Tinubu has no ideas, and I was listening to um, on television in Nigeria during my visit. Um, uh, one of the candidates, I forget his name now, was declaring. <laughs> so the the, the news uh, featured his declaration, and uh, so they, you know, so in making the case why he should be president. He said, yeah, you know, um, uh, I'm going to carry people along. And I said, this kind of person, you know, you need to break his head and put in a little <laughs> bit of, of sense. You look at a country like Nigeria, yeah. as I said, where basic problems that societies have solved, problems of water, of roads, mm-hmm. of security, okay? Um, and he's best articulation of what he's going to do as governor is uh, to carry people along. And when they say carry people along, it simply means the major stealers in Nigeria, I'm going to make sure that they're able to steal mm-hmm. the resources yeah, of the much. country. And so, we have a point. We've, we've come to the point where, as you and I saw, because we were both yep. shocked at the level of despair in the country, Buhari, um, and it, we must under, underline it, Buhari is not the only failed Nigerian president, but he's brought the country to a, a place of abjection, okay, uh, in his failure. And uh, Nigeria is a failed state, has been a failed state for a while, yep. but has achieved a culmination of that failure now where... The, in, in the Southeast, for example, there is a new group that has emerged, a proper noun called unknown gunmen. So unknown gunmen is no longer a, dis- a descriptor mm-hmm. of people who have killed somebody or who have shot at somebody. It's actually a group. So capital U, capital G, unknown gunmen. So people who are drinking in a bar are lined up, gone down. So people are decapitated, beheaded, and they're heads are, you know, kicked around and they say it's unknown gunmen 
who are doing this. And so you find areas of Nigeria that used to have a measure of security and they are becoming as ungovernable, as lawless as the Northeast was in the early days of Boko Haram. Yep. Okay, where Boko Haram held territory, where they um, you know, did whatever they wanted. So Nigeria is not a space where you actually can speak of elections. Okay? So you have some groups saying that there, sh- there cannot be elections in some parts of the country. Yeah. And, and people are not in obedience to them. People are not, some people are not registering to vote. Some people are not getting ready to go and vote. Um, so it's not a country. And so we need the urgent emergency government, transitional government, whose task it will be to define for the first time what does Nigeria mean. And by the way, my idea of Nigeria mm-hmm. is just like any country. A, a country has to have the consent, the collective consent of its citizens, which is why I support the idea of secession for any area that establishes a will to succeed in a plebiscite should be able to succeed. If there's another part of the world that wants to become part of the Nigerian Federation, say Cameroon people, if they establish that plebiscite, they should be able to join Nigeria as well. So Nigeria becomes a dynamic idea, but first of all, you have to define what does it mean to be a Nigerian? And what is the document that animates that space? The constitution. What does the constitution mean? And what are the dispositions of power between the federal government, the state governments, the local governments, and indeed town governing entities? Okay? We have to define all of these things. We have to define whether we have law enforcement at the federal level and at the state level and at the local government uh, level. And if we are not going to have it, we have to decide the relationships, okay, between federal and state and so on. Yeah. So there's so much that we can't continue to operate a flawed system and just hope that one day we're going to ha- be lucky and have a very good president. I think, I think that's the hope. That's the hope. Um, let me speak for... <laughs> yeah. Let me speak for these people. Yes, yes. These um, people that believe that Jesus Christ would be the president. Yes, one day. <laughs> or somebody like Jesus Christ. The belief is that there'll be somebody who has um the fear of of you know whatever it is. And if we're being honest with ourselves, mm-hmm. we are trying to be honest with ourselves and we're looking at this situation and you have even a medium sense of history. You don't have to be like some of us that actually like Study and study, studied and study history. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, Abbasinjo came in as a, you know, reformer. Um, amnesty, amnesty was the amnesty. Mm-hmm. He came in as, um, you know, this guy that um, what's the name of the corruption agency? Uh, EFCC. No, uh, the, the international one. Okay, the, um, international. I mean. Um, Independent Corrupt Practices Commission. No, that's ICPC. ICPC. There is the Global... Um, oh, oh, Transparency International. Transparency International. Yes, yes. He was a member. Yeah, he was a member. He was a well... 
um, regarded human being within an international statement. And in, yeah. now, woof, you know, he I was mean, part of this uh, this group of eminent that citizens that go go across, across the globe the world to solve problems. And you stuff. know, yeah, and. The Nigerian media is literally non-existent. And I grew up in Nigeria during this period. I was underage to vote when Obasanjo ran for the first time. Um, I grew up there. Uh, people talked about it. We had very little. We had a dying but still existing investigative journalistic. Um, um, uh, this thing you still Audition. had. Chris yeah. was, I believe she's late now. She's still alive. No, no, she's still alive. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the apologies, ma'am. Um, Chris Diane was one of the... Uh, she had TSM great. magazine. She was on television before. You know, you had the Chris Diane wounds. You had uh, Tell was still there. They hadn't all joined the governor, the, the government. The news magazine. News watch. The news. news. They would investigate uh, things. But they would, they, could, they would and could only do so much. We could go back into the history of how... Babangida made sure that their decline was accelerated 190%. Um, you know, people didn't sit down and ask questions of a passenger. Mm-hmm. People didn't sit down and ask questions of a two and a half years in led Nigeria, what he was doing. Mm-hmm. People didn't sit down and even ask questions of Muritala Mohammed, who was his boss that was gone down. Mm-hmm. What's how moderate he was, but even if you don't want to talk about the murderousness of Muritala Muhammad, which is <laughs> he's, he's up there with anybody you can name. Mm-hmm. Um, Muritala is widely linked to a lot of corrupt individuals that made money in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, go go look at credible sources, credible from Abiola to this thing is widely linked to whichever fantastic story people have told. I think... Um, Max Iolu has a distant chronicle of Morita Lion with some of his books um, and um, Abiola. People didn't ask questions of these things. They didn't ask questions of these individuals of what they've done um, before you say somehow, some way, maybe the people had repented like Obasanjo will tell you. Mm-hmm. By the way, there was this born again Christian who always happens to have a different woman in his. <laughs> but hey, I don't know. He goes to a church that does whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or a religious you know. So we did that. We started from there. We put this guy in. We put this man in who was clearly broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he himself, by his own words, don't even investigate, by his own words, said he was broke. And, you know, after eight years, you know, not only was he having private jets and stuff, after eight years, he was insisting on having a third term. And I don't think that's a debate. That was mm-hmm. that's that was a national campaign. And he wasted billions of naira bribing <laughs> legislators to change the constitution. That was a national campaign. Yeah. This was a guy who sat down and decided jumbo salaries were the thing. Mm-hmm. This is in summary. Yeah. And we went on to his anointed candidate, so Mara. Mara, are you dead? Mm-hmm. You know, Mara is supposed to be the good the good uh, steward. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan, same scenario plays itself out. We come in with, uh, yeah, with um, Buhari, who ran for the fourth time, mm-hmm. which is what Tinubu was saying, the way he said it in his distance, mm-hmm. which we'll eventually get to, not maybe not today, but we'll get to that. And, and Buhari is supposed to be a guy that 
his mere presence, if he has stealing money in his presence, you would just be incinerated mm-hmm. instantly. Yeah. You would yeah. melt. If Buhari was around and you are stealing even one dollar from your parents, you would just turn into yep. acid dust. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is this is the, the mythological Buhari that we got. And yet Nigerians should have known better because this is the same Buhari who said that um, despite the fact that Abacha, former military dictator Abacha, mm-hmm. that uh, a, a number of foreign countries had uh, confiscated Abacha's uh, stolen uh, loot and returned the, the, the resources to Nigeria. You know, Buhari basically denied that Abacha was a thief. <laughs> they, uh, we, you know? we put this guy there. Yeah, yeah. And... And they said, oh, we, he, he didn't have a house in his hometown. He didn't have a... You know, so we make up all these stories we, we about ignored, people. We, yeah. Exactly. We ignored the two and a half years mm-hmm. or the year 83 to 85. Mm-hmm. December 83 to, I think, October 85. Mm-hmm. The year and some change that he was in power. Mm-hmm. We know what we saw. Yeah. And maybe we wanted to claim it was a little evolution. Mm-hmm. And we started on that path. We started branding people in different ways mm-hmm. as things... When we look at history and we're honest with ourselves, they are not. Mm-hmm. That's the array of people we have. And we have to understand we don't have institutions in the country. None. And that is critical. What you just said is critical. So, uh, which in a sense answers yep. to those Nigerians who are sitting around hoping that there is a Saint somebody there. <laughs> and some people will say Saint Peter will be. Um, and I'm not bashing Peter Obi, he's like a brother to me, but I'm saying that the system in Nigeria, even if Peter Obi comes with the best of intentions, he's ultimately going to disappoint Nigerians because the system is rigged to fail. Okay? So what you just said answers to those who insist that they, what Nigeria needs to have a few good men. Yeah, yeah. Okay? We need solid institutions. Uh, a country like this one, both of us live in America, we were doing this podcast from America. America can afford a terrible president for four years, even for eight years, because there are institutions that will hold this terrible person in check. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but in Nigeria, an Obasanjo becomes president, he empowers criminals, calls them political godfathers, and these criminals are empowered to go and abduct a governor in Anambra State to go and attack a governor in or your state in Ibadan, yep. and the governor will jump, you know, <laughs> the window of his office to flee. Adedibu. <laughs> you understand? So, so when you have a president who becomes a mischief maker in chief, mm-hmm. which is what I call a basanja. I call Buhari the, 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 uh, the wrecker in chief. He's wrecked the country. They were the modicum of the semblance of, uh, of uh, order in the country has been absolutely eviscerated by this president. But oh. he didn't act alone. It is, a, a, it is the accumulation of the failures of uh, of a passenger, of of Jonathan, of uh, of uh, Yaradua, of Jonathan, that in a sense found um, um, their ultimate, ultimate um, um, 
uh, at a, a culmination in, in the current president. Yep. So we can't afford to have another four years of sort of rolling the dice and hoping that we're going to find uh, a good man. Um, there's nobody on the scene, no angel that we have. Um, nobody um, has articulated a vision of the country that should excite anybody. And I'm saying that even if there is a presidential candidate who does that, the country as it is currently orchestrated is a recipe for failure and disaster. Okay? Mm. And so we need to think seriously. Seriously. I know some people you know, will say, hey, it's not provided for in the Constitution. But I'm saying the Constitution is useless. And we should operate from that standpoint. We need an emergency national government. That government should consist of representation from every uh, ethnic, geo-ethnic part of Nigeria, especially the minority groups, because Nigeria is a country that is sort of misaligned. Three major ethnic groups and a whole bunch dozens, of dozens, yes. dozens, thousands, two well, not thousands, and, yeah, two hundred and maybe yeah. there's actually somebody who didn't say Nigeria has four hundred and fifty ethnic groups. Mm. I don't know how that happens with yeah. a population of uh, I don't know whether there are five thousand people who constitute an ethnic group. Yeah, but of course we know that there is such a thing as dialectal um, differences, you know, in dialect. Yes. right. So both of us are Igbo. Yes. Uh, Igbo have at least uh, you know, more than a dozen uh, dialects of the language. Yeah. I could be with somebody from Abakliki and I will not understand the Even within Enugu I'm from, I don't understand the majority of the, the dialects. There. Precisely. So, so that maybe that's what people count as ethnic, ethnic groups. But yeah. every ethnic group, especially the minority ones, must be properly represented. But it should be a gathering of the professional ranks that should include uh, lawyers and doctors and accountants and media people and students and the people in academia. We need this gathering of experts to envision a country. You know, we were talking, we've talked quite a bit mm-hmm. about the, the sheikh who rules Dubai. Yep. And years ago, I watched uh, an interview with him on 60 Minutes. And system minute, the system minute uh, correspondent was just wowed by how exceedingly developed Dubai was. Mm-hmm. And he said to this person, this this leader, "How did this come about?" And he said, "You know, I sat down and I said I wanted the best for my people." And the legislator, the reporter, said to him, "What do you mean by the best?" He said, "I wanted the best for my people in education, in healthcare, in finance, and in every area." It takes that kind of vision to sit down and say, um, you know, because Nigerian leaders, this is how you know that we are a wasted people. Yeah. Okay. A gifted people who are run and misruled by the worst among us. What do Nigerian leaders do? They elite in Nigeria. They go to Dubai. They take pictures, okay, of clean streets with manicured um uh, pavements and so on and so forth, or they go to 
the U.S. or they go to England or they go to Germany or France or whatever, and they take these pictures and they come back and they post them. Every, almost every Nigerian uh, major official who has children of school age ensures that their children go to school abroad, including the Minister for Education in the country. What does that tell you? the educational system in Nigeria is useless. And so you find now that we've entered perhaps five or six months of a strike that has shut down all universities in Nigeria. Okay? Nobody cares. Nobody in government cares because their children are not in the country. And they come out in the summers abroad and they pose with their children who are graduating from universities that never close. Mm where uh, the teachers are well-paid, their research is well-funded, and where you receive solid education. So we need, we need to rethink the Nigerian nation. And if it doesn't work, by the way, because, um, again, I'm very, very open-minded about the idea of Nigeria. I also support the prospect of the dismemberment of Nigeria. That could be the outcome of this gathering. This gathering could find out that there is no basis for Nigeria to remain one. Yeah. I have no commitments. I have no, I have no emotional attachment to the idea of Nigeria. I'm emotionally convinced and logically convinced that Nigeria, as con- currently constituted, is a basket case. <laughs> for sure. I like it. I mean, there's no... Um, I know it's hard for people to hear all those years, dissolve and all that. Mm. But the reality is the country doesn't have to dissolve Mm -hmm. if you don't understand Mm -hmm. um, English. Mm -hmm. All due respect. You know, the country doesn't have to dissolve. It doesn't need to dissolve. But it needs to sit down and reckon with itself. Mm -hmm. What is this? Self-reckoning. If you are sitting down in Nigeria, I was sitting there and I was driving to the airport in Nigeria and I was talking to my in-laws and people. I'm like, if anybody's sitting down thinking this country is working, I have a bridge somewhere I can yeah. sell you, man. Yeah. Like, if you're going to tell me this is it, yeah. then fine. I have a bridge yeah. somewhere I can sell you. If it's yeah. working for yeah. you, maybe yeah. you have some law law or some haja mm-hmm. or some distant yeah. and yeah. you stay in your house you have a re- reunion of probably badly treated mm-hmm. uh, domestic and either not paid or poorly paid. That's Nigeria for you. Mm-hmm. Domestic helps. Mm-hmm. And you stay in the house. You don't go anywhere. Everybody does everything for you. And you drive to the airport when you have to travel to Dubai. You drive back. And you're like, which there are a lot of people like that, by the way. Mm-hmm. You're like, Nigeria is walking. All yeah. right. All right. I get yeah. you. I don't, I don't, I can argue with you. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right in your mentality. Nigeria is working. Yeah. But if you're a regular person, um, even if you don't live in the country or you live in the country or you you go in, um, man, I mean, go on, go on like YouTube. Tell you now that people can post up all these things. Go on YouTube and check out people that had to visit Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, what people have to say. Um, they don't bash Nigeria as a whole but they'll bash aspects of Nigeria where it's like, 
Look, man, this is the way the whole country works. And we all think it's that way. You have governors choosing. I mean, well, we are, oh, Lord, we are watching. Yeah. We are watching the primaries, even. You see governors choosing people. And I see congratulations. I look at some of these people's records. I ask people that might know them, and in some cases do. And a lot of these people uh, have all the indices, the history of being demonstrably worse mm -hmm. than the person that's there yeah. already. You know, which is what happens. That uh, So in Nigeria, we have come up with all these anti-democratic ideas. So a governor who is leaving office um, calls for a consensus candidate uh, to uh, take up the ticket to succeed him. And consensus really means uh, I'm going to choose, I'm going to select. And who do they select? They select the person who is least threatening to them. In other words, they select somebody. Already their tenure is marked by mediocrity. So the first thing they do is to take somebody who will be even more mediocre. All right? And um, so the state is then guaranteed to go from this uh, ghastliness, ghastly uh, experience on the governor to a worse experience, all right? And, but the, the, the other thing is that we are, quote-unquote, a young, we used to call ourselves a nascent democracy. We are, we are pretty young in the game, right? And, we, and yet we have this great antipathy to just the idea of having people vote. So instead of people voting, we decide a consensus candidate. In a situation where people have paid a hundred million to buy the ticket of a party, one person, the president, decides, oh, we should have consensus. And they don't even say, okay, let's refund the money to those who pay. So I, the president, I'm just going to choose the person who will run. Uh, you go and lick your wounds if you've lost a hundred million. It's, it's, it's fundamentally, it's even evil but it's also fundamentally anti-democratic. And we need to build a system where the president will be scared to even propose this because he will be resisted by the law itself. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So this, this is a very... Um, I mean, this is something we got to definitely do uh, parts on and all that, but um, second part on this, probably even the next time. Um, but, I mean, just... Sitting down, um, looking at it, looking at what's happening, the fabrics, um, we're talking of human beings going for a convention and some candidates were spending $20,000 per delegate. So 774 delegates. So somebody spending 20000 some 10. Almost all of this is either directly from the government, directly from the government process, mm -hmm. which they control, or it's from... A certain level of when they were in the government, they set up stuff. You could call it cronism. For me, I, I, I just see it. Like if I'm in the government and I set up things in a way where inevitably, whichever way, you could talk about that. You can't, I'm like, nah, you could do it. Tinubu has done it. Atiku is doing it. So many people are doing it. When I'm still financially benefiting. And whoever is there, even when my boss doesn't like me, there's nothing you can do. You know, you try to do the same. Tinubu did it in in um, Lagos, mm -hmm. Pedro. 
Bokora, I think that's her name, former two deputy governors, Mm -hmm. tried to be like him in terms of setting up wealth and trying to, you know, get their own patronage. They got kicked out real quick. So when you're in the government and you do that, that's the same thing. And these are the people who are now doing this. These are the people who I was going to bring down a list of um, people in government who their children got party nominations. Starting from Abacha, mm-hmm. by the way, Abacha, you go down. Mm-hmm. So many people, their children, are now, they are now at the point where they don't even trust people. They want to keep it in the family. Yeah. Peter Delis is putting his kids in judiciary. And, um, you know, if my mom sent me a distance of Peter Delis, <laughs> two kids. Daughter, <laughs> yeah. yeah my know is a, is a, I think she's trying to be like, yeah, you know, you should come and get your own law license in Nigeria. <laughs> you have a family of legal people, uh, judges and so on and so forth. Anyway, so it's like the two daughters are there, it's like a life well fulfilled. I'm like, is it really fulfilled? Mm. Is, does that fulfill you? Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's the system we have. Um, it's not abhorring wealth, you know, if you are quiet and you're not, you know, if you're quiet, you know, if you're, if you're quiet, you're well, generally, where it's not completely crushing on people. But when you do, mm-hmm. well, we complain in America of crony capitalism. In Nigeria, you don't even have a system to complain of crony yeah, capitalism. Yeah, you just yeah. have, it's like, where where is this going? Nothing is functioning in this country. Nothing. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of things we experienced and we keep like zero. Anybody saying any differently is like, okay, where have you been? Mm. Literally nothing is functioning. Power is not functioning even when they have power, they have an archaic system of of distributing power. Uh, I go in front of the SIM cards. Um, yeah, let me take, let me, let me, re, let me rewind a little bit. I go in front of the phone companies. I was thinking, man, should I get a local line? And everywhere is queues like a job interview mm-hmm. to get a phone line. Yeah, everywhere. The only place I didn't see one was the airport. Maybe because yeah. I think I came in. I landed in Nigeria. I came in through Abuja. Uh, I think I landed like five p.m. ish. But every other place I went to, you will see people. And uh, please, anybody in Nigeria, please. I mean, you could. There's no doubt that like it's everywhere. People well, in front uh, of part, part of the problem is. Uh, the government required that phones be tied to your national identity number, name, yeah. the name card. So a lot of people's phones were disconnected and you had to go to the phone office uh, in order to have your phone uh, revalidated with your name card. So I had to go very early to one uh, <laughs> where I got my own phone and I was there for 15 minutes before they opened and yet I was like, Number five or so <laughs> on, on the line. Yeah, it's crazy. And you sit down there. It's like I was in, I was in Abuja. I was in Enugu. I was, I was in Lagos. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. this yeah. is the, you know, nothing is functioning. Nothing works. Nothing works. Um, and I remember years ago. Yeah. And you know, I, I think um, uh, we've had a long conversation. We have to continue this conversation. Yeah. But years ago. Buhari had an interview when he was president, military president of the country. And he said that he was baffled how Nigeria uh, was able to survive day after day. And I think that 
in a sense, the man knew the kind of damage he himself was doing with his uh, cautery uh, that would destroy any country. Yeah. And yet somehow the resiliency of the Nigerian people continues to hold up the nation. But there's only so much that you can achieve when a country has no underlying order where people just make it up. And in Nigeria, people make it up. There's no, you know, so there's no very few places where if you are traveling from any part of the country to a far distance, there, 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 people who planned Nigeria didn't say, okay, citizens who need or commuters will need to stop and pee and relieve themselves. So you stop and you run into the bush to do that business. It's fraught with all kinds of health uh, risks and it's also fraught with actually, other dangers. Actually, I would say there used to be uh, highway management. Yes. Do you remember back? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Years ago. Historically. Yeah. In the 80s. I think it ended in the 80s sometime. Yeah. There used yeah. to be highway management mm-hmm. and you could have said part of, naturally, their entire job was maintaining and developing and possibly mm-hmm. thinking of what would happen mm-hmm. in the future in terms of highways. But <laughs> this, is why, this is why I love history, man. Yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah. when you go into the actors in the field mm-hmm. who um, who yeah, the years of military rule and all that, and even prior to that, it was heading to that, just maybe slightly slow, slower. Mm-hmm. People realize, oh, we could make money from road maintenance. Yes. Mm-hmm. We could not even make money. To save make money to dignify the stupidity yes, that yes, happened. Yes, yes. We cool. could <laughs> siphon, yeah. exactly, steal money from road maintenance. All these actors go in and, you know, find a way of abolishing the highway. What's what it used to be called? Oh, my father used to love that stuff. Anyway, it used to be, they would go in there, you know, and then they, they, they abolish it. Mm-hmm. They say they will do the road. That was the beginning of uh, yeah. this thing. Whether it's called PWD, Public Works Department, yeah. or something like that. I know somebody out there will know. You know, um, they just went in there and yeah. cut it off completely. Mm-hmm. We'll do the roads. They'll take the money, not yeah. do anything. Yeah. yeah. And that was the beginning of, that was the, no, the beginning is is to, is um, whitewashing it mm-hmm. in, in its literal sense. Beginning is, you know, what was that was the nail on the coffin mm-hmm. of any kind of possible road maintenance. Mm-hmm. They killed it. You have a whole bunch of people we can't we can call names. The names are endless yeah. in the East. The Wyan was yeah. a big factor in that. But it was widespread. It's everybody is some of the guys you know now, um, left, right, and center. I think even in Enugu, I think Jim Wobodo was a huge part of it, even as governor and this thing. But you know, even if it wasn't his people, let me not say even if it wasn't, they were all part of um, tearing that off. And that's what they still do today. Um, and we sit down. You go to Nigeria today, mm-hmm. people are literally kneeling down and begging you mm-hmm. not to go on the road. Mm-hmm. Literally kneeling down and begging you yeah. not to go on the road. Yeah. A flight, um, I paid about 85000 naira for a 45 minute flight. One, one way. One way. For five million one-way flights. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the thing is that to travel in Nigeria is um, 
when you leave uh, one point and you get to the, to your destination by road, people count it as <laughs> as a veritable miracle. <laughs> so you're not supposed to make it. Yep. You're supposed to either have an accident, uh, die, or be seriously injured, or be stopped by armed robbers or by unknown gunmen or by kidnappers and so on. And so when you have that level of anxiety built into the lives of the citizen, when you have people so hungry, you know, that, and, and by the way, in, in Nigeria, the Southeast has the sort of the highest uh, per capita income in Nigeria. Yeah. And yet I'll go to events and men and women, poor men and women, which is why you know that this can be sustained, will come to parties with uh, bottles of water, you know, old water bottles, and they will ask for beer or they will ask for malt, and they will pour the beer. And, and these are probably not parties in like a village, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are, you know, yeah. They, they, in the some city. well-dressed women even will pour the uh, the drink yeah. in this plastic container. People will come and tie food. You give them rice to eat. They will tie the rice. They will pour soup in plastic bags, mm. plastic containers that they will take home. This is a country which is one of the major producers of crude oil in the world. So you see that Nigeria has not served the citizens and it can't be sustained. It cannot be sustained, you know. And I have a friend who happens to be very wealthy and he was telling me one day, he said, listen, he said that every day he comes home and his uh, gate men open the gate for him. That an idea goes through his mind and he says he pays his gate men well and he says if they serve him up to a certain point, he builds a small house in their village for them to secure their loyalty. But he says he's thinking, because this man has all kinds of expensive cars in his compound, he said that every day goes through his mind that there could come a day where something is triggered against the well-to-do in Nigeria, that it could be his same gate men who will come and lynch him. You know? Because there's that level of anger. You know, th there are so many Nigerians. I met years ago a Nigerian who was a graduate of a university, mm -hmm. who was a gate man for a company. I imagine that. So when you reduce somebody who has gone to the university and studied for four years or more, and you reduce him to the mindlessness of opening the gate and shutting it. You know, you come in as his boss and he says, welcome, sir. But he's not happy. And at some point, the way Nigeria is going, there will come an opportunity where there is a, an, an absolute rupture. Violent rupture. And what, it's not going to be pretty. We're already seeing all this violence of Boko Haram, of Hertzmen, of the unknown gunmen, of... Uh, actors under the IPOB and so on. It's an expression of this great disappointment, this great disenchantment with Nigeria. Nobody, the only Nigerians who are happy with the country are the people who are stealing the resources of the country. They're the only ones. And even they themselves are not happy when you come uh, to think of it. They have to, with the money they steal, they have to go to Dubai. They have to go to South Africa. They have to go to London, to America. Consistently. To have a sense of, you know, so our wealthy men, look at COVID. To yeah. give one example, COVID came and decimated privileged Nigerians. Okay? And part of why 
a lot of them got seriously sick and a lot of them died is that if you have money in Nigeria, you are a prisoner, essentially, mm-hmm. effectively. You can't walk the streets because you are scared of being robbed. You are scared of being kidnapped. So they are cooped up in their mansions doing what? Just eating, stuffing their faces with food, <laughs> drinking. So they are out of shape. They have no vitamin D. They are actually walking corpses. So when COVID came, they stayed in their houses eating. They got infected. Their bodies could not withstand the disease, the virus, and they died. So you can't even be happy being I mean, look at look at some of the candidates in Nigeria running for president. Yeah, they are broken, unhealthy people. You 100%. can just look at them. Okay. So anyway, we have to round up. I think. Yep. And we then continue the conversation. We got to we'll probably do a part two next, man, because we, we it's so to. it's so deep and distressing that we haven't even started scratching it. So. Nope. Nope. We definitely probably gonna do a part two next. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's one hundred percent. You know, it's it's a country that is distressful. Thinking about it alone mm-hmm. makes me want to go drink vodka yeah. and just go to bed. Mm. <laughs> I wake up yeah. And, yeah. and hope that this is a dream. Yeah, you know, I know it sounds, you know, obviously it's kind, of, you know, it's comical, but mm-hmm. in reality, that's the way I feel when I think yeah. of Nigeria consistently. Yeah. Because as a human being, I'm saying this, and most people that don't live in Nigeria, and even the ones that do, every phone call you get in that from Nigeria is a financial request, literally. Mm-hmm. So um, 90% at the very least, 95, maybe 98, 99. Um, and it's, it's people struggling. Everybody's struggling. Uh, yeah. It's gotten what, that's even the tip of the iceberg. It's just mm-hmm. sitting down and it's like, this is not working mm-hmm. and um there needs to be a rethink of how this can work yeah yeah so well uh, so uh, it's such a delight to have you uh with us on this journey we know that uh, some of the conversation perhaps most of it is um is a bit dark is a bit uh um um despairing but we have to have an honest conversation. That's what the list that we owe ourselves. And our country will not come out of its rot unless we have that conversation. So we thank you for joining us on behalf of my co-host, Emeka Onyagwa, and uh, we look forward to our next episode. Have a brilliant rest of the day. Thank you. Okay. So, So my friend, um, who wants the to 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 um, okay shut that thing? My friend who wants to uh, to to subscribe. Yeah. So let's send him.